Testing, testing, one, two, three. We are live, the Slapshot Sammy podcast. This is episode number eight. We are here on March 21st, which is Purge Day, 321. Everybody think about uh, your your fellow fathers or whatever it's called for the Purge. And uh, let's talk some hockey today. We're going to jump into college hockey. We're going to talk about the trade deadline, which is coming up. And I think this is the last time I'm not, I didn't even introduce myself this time. And I think that's going to be the way we do it because you guys know who I am. But I will introduce my man, Warren Nielsen, who's here again this week. Warren, how you doing? Good, man. Living the dream. Can't complain. Purge day. I'm about to get rid of a lot of stuff. Spring cleaning. It's coming up. Same yeah. with the hockey season. We'll see trade deadline. Excited to see. Good. That's the that's the positive way to look at purge day instead of like the new founding fathers and like murdering everybody in the streets. So I like that. <laughs> All right, let's let's jump right in. Um, oh, I got the essential oils over here going. We got the peppermint floating in the room, so we got good vibes going on here. Um, Warren is fresh off his match to uh, orthopedic surgery in Vermont, UVM Catamounts for life. So, congrats to that, buddy. Um, I think he said he's going to probably try out for the hockey team, see if he can get on there as a first liner and and grind away for the Catamounts next year, but. Big time. What are you most excited for, for, uh, for Vermont? Oh man, I think just a new place to explore. Definitely a little more hockey culture than Oregon. And, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe these, uh, creamies I've been hearing about, there's some pretty good, good food, dairy products out there, maple syrup. So yeah, I heard fun fact. I didn't know until I saw a picture of you and kind of put it together. Ben and Jerry's is in, from Burlington. Is that right? That's true. Yeah. I forgot about that. The OG factory. Yeah, so yeah, I, Get ready for gift baskets of syrup and Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, you're going to pack on the pounds while you're in orthopedic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's awesome, man. So hopefully Vermont actually has a a season next year. Um, But let's let's jump right into college real quick. So I I don't want to get too into it because, uh, you know, the the playoffs are going to be announced today. Today's the the selection show, so we'll know for sure today. But I just want to kind of talk a little bit about what happened in the conference tournaments because it was wild, uh, as we expected. And, And... there's some teams that are in there that we didn't expect, which actually kind of made it easier on the on the uh, committee because some of the teams that were already going to make it didn't win their tournaments, which now meant that that team was an at-large bid. So it was kind of like took a little bit of, I mean, it went from like five or six questionable decisions for the committee to just two. Um, so let's jump in to see what the field is going to look like. It's pretty much already known, obviously no guarantees, but it's pretty much known what the 14, top 14 will be. Um, and then the last two spots are going to be where there's some big question marks. So first for our automatic bids, um, we have North Dakota, who not unsurprisingly won the NCHC. Minnesota, kind of an upset, um, beat Wisconsin for the Big Ten. But again, they were going to be a one seed either way, most likely. So they're in. Uh, we have the UMass, which was also an upset. Um, BC was was picked to come out of the Hockey East, but UMass came out of there uh, with the conference championship. And then we have Lake Superior State which was another upset um, in the WCHA, uh, which was a weird tournament. They had like brackets, but they had three game series instead of one game uh, elimination. And then they reseeded. I mean, I think we talked about it last week where it just, it looked like it was going to be one way and then it was completely different. It ended up being Lake Superior, who was the two seed versus the Northern Michigan six seed. So it was very strange how that worked out. Um, But the other automatics were AIC, Again, no surprise, they've run that whole, they've run the uh, Atlantic Hockey the whole year and the last three years. And then the last automatic, St. Lawrence coming in hot in the ECAC. 
upsetting um, Colgate in the semifinals in overtime where they only had got in the entire overtime. And that was the one that ended the game, which was crazy. Um, and then coming into against Quinnipiac yesterday, uh, Quinnipiac was the number one team in that conference all year long. Everyone thought they would automatically pretty basically win that whole thing. St. Lawrence comes in, takes an early one, nothing lead. And then everything kind of felt like, okay, this game's going to, going to lean towards Quinnipiac. They started playing better. They scored two goals in 12 seconds to take the two, one lead in the second. And then, uh, the goalie for Quinnipiac had two saves on a breakaway on breakaways right after that, right before that. So it was like, everything was going for Quinnipiac and we thought, okay, they're going to walk away with this. Like St. Lawrence put up a fight and then St. Lawrence ties it up on a rebound with three minutes left in the third and then wins it in overtime on on just a pretty standard shot from the slot. Um, They've been one of those teams where every game I've watched of them, and they're they're six, eight, and three, and they're in the NCAA tournament. That's that's pretty wild, and that's the first time they've been in the tournament since 2007, uh, first championship of any kind for a very long time. And I think that they're one of those teams that just finds a way to uh, to score the goal. Like they get outshot heavily, or they don't play well, and they still score and and win the game, which is crazy. And so that should be fun. They're probably going to get thrown up against like North Dakota or somebody like that. Um, so we'll see what happens. But very exciting for that. So shout out to my man, George Ross, back in New Jersey. I know he was at the bars uh, getting hyped for that game. That's his alma mater. So good luck to to you, George, and and the Saints in the in the tournament. But those are the, the automatic bids. Now for the at-large bids, like I said, they're pretty much – a couple of these are the teams they thought would win the conference tournament. So they're automatically going to be in either way most likely. But – with the teams upsetting them in the conference tournament, it actually added to to the already known bracket field. So what we have for that, basically BC, who was number one in the in the country before the tournament. We have uh, St. Cloud State, Minnesota State, Wisconsin and Michigan, both from the Big Ten, BU, also from the Hockey East, Quinnipiac, who we just talked earlier about, and then Minnesota Duluth um, from the NCHC. So Pretty pretty spread out. Usually you get a pretty heavy one conference, um, usually the NCHC for the most part, or the Big Ten. This year it's actually pretty spread out. The most is uh, three right now for any team, and then two spots might put four of one conference. So that's pretty well spread out throughout the conferences. Um, but the interesting part here, so you know, we talked, I'm not even going to try to predict what the bracket's going to look like because we have so much going into it with how they're going to seed them and also the travel. So basically the committee is trying to stop travel as much as they can, which with COVID going on. So they would prefer not to put a team that's far away. You know, let's say Denver made it. Let's prefer not to put them in Fargo in the, in the first round. So they have to fly across the country and play. So it's going to come into a lot of it. So I'm not going to try to predict what they're going to be thinking. I hope that travel doesn't pick a team over another, um, because we're gonna, we're gonna, what we're going to get into in a second is the teams that are kind of on the bubble. And I'm hoping they don't just pick one of those teams as a as a team to make it because they're closer to the place that they play. Um, but it's, it comes into more human, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, it's, the way it works is one, one through four seeds in each, uh, each bracket, and then uh, you play one, four, two, three from there, and then uh, the semifinals or the Frozen Four will be I believe it's in Pittsburgh uh, this year. So the final two spots, it's it's pretty known that there's about five teams that are on the line there. Now, we've been shocked before in the college, just like basketball, just like any sport, 
sometimes a team just comes out of nowhere and gets thrown into that bracket um, because they decide that their wins were were better than a team that had more wins. Whatever the decision. Um, but for the, basically, the final two spots are going to be the four seeds, and the main consensus is that the NCHC is either going to get a team or two or the WCHA is going to get a team or two. Um, there's a couple people that might think that maybe a hockey East team like UConn or Providence sneaks in there. Um, and some even further down the line, that think maybe a Denver or a Notre Dame sneaks in there from the big 10. But for the most part with Bemidji state, Bowling green, Omaha and Denver, uh, you kind of have the teams that really were close. And those teams are probably so bummed that the teams upset the big seeds in the conference tournament because they were pro they, like I said, it went from five open spots to two. And so now all of a sudden a team like Denver or Providence that might've been that 16 last seed in is probably look on the outside looking in, which is a real bummer. But, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm predicting that's either going to be Bemidji state and Omaha or Bowling green in Omaha. I think Omaha makes it with their, um, with their, uh, what's it called resume they have so far. And I think that the WC will get at least one of those two teams in there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. And so we'll get the bracket later today. I forget what time specifically that, that tournament selection show, but it's coming by any minute now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in that. And I think it's going to be a really wild tournament. I really do. I think it's going to be more of a March Madness basketball style where there's, I mean, you saw so far what's happened in basketball where 15 beat a two, a 14 beat a three, a 12 beat a five. Um, you don't see as big of upsets in hockey usually, especially early on where you get a, you know, a 16 and a one or something like that. Um, to obviously, technically there are four, but the, you know, you can kind of know who's a 16 seed and who's not. So it'll be an interesting field, uh, super exciting co conference tournaments though. So I suggest everybody get out and watch that selection show. Um, definitely watch the games that are, that are on. I think they're going to be nationally televised for most of the, so, uh, I know the final four, the frozen four is on, um, is on ESPN. So hopefully you guys can check that out and we get some fun hot. I think, uh, <clears throat> the Gophers are going to run the table here and win, win the, uh, win the tournament. We'll see what happens, but, um. Anyway, it'd be interesting to see. And a couple of those players, too, a lot of these teams have players that are probably going to be in the NHL this year. Uh, I know Cole Caulfield is one that comes to mind that could come in for Montreal if they're in a playoff race towards the end. So um, it'll be really see, like the different story where if they win, you get to follow them to the college tournament. If they lose, you follow those players and see if they go to the NHL. Um, so that'll be kind of cool to watch both sides of that. But let's move over to the NHL now. Um, we are getting closer and closer to the trade deadline, which is going to be so interesting. Um, super, like I've said a thousand times on this podcast, date where so many more things come into play. We not only have the shortened season where some teams like Toronto, who might not go on in a regular season, is now going to because this is a short. I think they might have a chance to, win. Um, and then you all the Canadian border shutdown that comes into play because if a team a player gets traded, he might have to wait two weeks before he can go to his team. So is that worth the risk? And so there's a bunch of other things that come into play. But before we jump into the trade deadline, I want to bring funny up. So the Minnesota Wild uh, have, I think, the best reverse retro jerseys. I, I said that in my podcast earlier. Everyone says it. It's the North Stars colors. Unfortunately, the Stars were not able to keep that uh, that franchise color. Um, and so the Minnesota wild have 
their logo basically with the North Stars colors, which is the yellow and, and old school green. I don't think they've worn their home jerseys since they came out with those retros. <laughs> other teams, I know other teams are wearing their retros and it's it's kind of fun to look at how many times they've worn them. You can kind of see who likes theirs or not because like the Stars only scheduled three times and they've only worn them once. Other teams are only wearing them a couple times. But then you look at teams like Minnesota and Colorado that seem to wear them every night. Um, so what do you think, if you were Minnesota, first of all, what do you think is going on? How, how just deciding to wear white? And it's white, so it's not like they're wearing a dark jersey at home. They're wearing white jerseys at home. Um, if you're Minnesota, though, you know what's your decision going forward? Can you do that and just be like, you know what? These uniforms are way cooler. Let's just go to these. I know, right? I think some, I mean, you just get a vibe with a jersey and you start winning games in it and then you start keeping it. You know, it's like the the stars, I think, what was it? They, I think they released the reverse, re- uh, no, it was the their last year's winter classic jersey. You know, they wore it once, they had that great comeback win and then they wore it again and I think they got smoked and they're just like, you know what? These aren't, we're not about these jerseys. And I think the Wild are just, they are on a hot streak after wearing those jerseys and they're kind of climbing up in the division. And and I think, you know, go with what's working and whatever it is and what guys are excited to put on. And I mean, Kirill Kaprasov having a Calder season, maybe, you know, so uh, they're definitely on the up and up. And I think maybe the jerseys are part of it, but at least the mindset is uh, those jerseys are playing into it. So I think it's an awesome look. I mean, I agree with you. I think they're such a cool with the old colors, but the the new logo is just, they did it right. So I'm excited to see kind of where that ends up going, especially when they're kind of vying for a spot against a team, you know, that was really touted as, as the avalanche are and the, and the, the golden Knights. So I think the wild are making some noise, but it's going to be cool to see that division what ends up happening. Yeah. And I think it's interesting what you said. So what would you do if you're the visiting team and do you get a choice? Do you know if you get a choice, can the home team wear whatever uniform they want? I feel I have no idea. All I know is you know the face-off rule, you know where the home team right because I know I know um, that the visiting team has to has to ask because I remember the the Hurricanes asked a couple times if they could wear their darks in Dallas because they wanted to to show off their new uniforms or something like that. But I'm just curious. I didn't look that up. Um, I wonder if they're if they have to you know request access to wear because it can't be. I mean, I don't know. It's a weird situation where. Um, you know, it's traditionally you wear dark at home in the NHL. It didn't used to be that way, but it is. Um, but I don't know if it's a rule or if it's just, that's what they do. Cause they want to primary color to their fans. But if, it, if it's not, and you had to request it, I would, for the visiting team, I would be like, let's request it every time and at least make it an annoyance for them to wear their uniforms. Cause they had <laughs> well, um, and kind of came, you know, people thought they were going to be good. They weren't. And then they kind of came out of nowhere and started pl- make, playing well. So. Um, but as a fan of the league and as a fan of uniforms, I hope they keep wearing them. Uh, maybe somehow the stars end up wearing them or something. <laughs> yeah. Or just kind of do what the NBA did, you know, where pretty much the teams are just like, all right, this is the color we're going to wear. Just wear a contrasting color. They don't need a home and away. They just, you know, red and blue, like that's fine. If the Leafs play the Red Wings, then like, you know, they wear their the coolest jerseys or whatever and, and work whatever is vibing for them. So I think that would work too, something like that. So maybe they'll move that way. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be cool to just kind of make it. It's more freelance because things are kind of going that way in the NHL where it's going to less strict with with certain rules and things like that. So it would be kind of cool to just mix it up more, which I think is a big part of why these reverse retros came into play uh, to give yeah. some teams that were like super dull, like the Kings, something else to wear. <laughs> um, but then he brought that up. Let's, I'm going to talk about something that uh, I heard on the Stars podcast. Uh, there's kind of been a, a transition, I think mostly because of COVID last year. 
But last year in the playoffs, they t- players weren't having to wear suits anymore. I don't know if you saw players can- would could wear whatever they want. And so you saw people wearing, mm-hmm. you know, some people wore suits, some people wore sweat uh, track suits, some people wore funny shirts, or like, I think Klingberg had like a Joe Pavelski uh, tiger dad or whatever shirt. So like <laughs> you can, I feel like I, I kind of like that, and I, but I'm also kind of on the fence where I, I don't want it to become the NBA uh, where it's just like every day you see a picture on ESPN, it's like Kevin Durant looking fly on the way to the game and he's wearing some ridiculous outfit or something. I want to show that's not what it's about. But I'm wondering your thought on that. If we're if the NHL starts leaning towards, you know, a different way, do you want them? Let's let's take three ways here. Suits all the time, kind of in the middle where you, maybe you wear suits to away games or suits to home games and and a team tracksuit or something, or just freelance where you can each player you want. It's kind of more open. What would you prefer? You know, going forward. I just think hockey is such an old school, like kind of boys club institution to some extent. So I I don't think it ever is going to move away from the formal side of things. And especially it's freaking cold in a lot of places. too. So it's like suits are a means to survival. And and I think that, that that's always just been the culture, you know, since that like a lot of guys, it's just kind of like how they like to look. And and I think that it's, it's pretty cool. And, and I think they'd stick with that. So I, I'd be surprised if after the pandemic, I, I think that a lot of teams will kind of go back to suits and whatnot. But I, I think it might eventually melt to something in between. You know, there's a lot of West Coast or teams that are more less formal in it. So I, I think yeah. I don't think it'll transition too much, but I, I think that it'll kind of stay formal. Yeah. And I don't know how you feel as a player. I loved wearing a suit. If it made me feel super official and, um, mm-hmm. you know, even if you're playing in some B League in Rochester, you're still feeling like you're uh, – <laughs> you still feel like you're a big time player rather than showing up in mesh shorts and see your game, which is what I show up in now uh, to men's leagues game. But um, I agree. I, I hope that it stays at least somewhat official, um, but it was an interesting conversation with, with razor and, and hikes on, on the stars one talking about what would happen. Um, but now Sam, the, there's, yo. there's nothing holding you back from wearing a suit to your men's league games. You know, I just want to put that out there now. So <laughs> I already don't wear any star stuff. Cause I'm walking into the <laughs> predators arena and they seem to only play the predators on Sundays. Like tonight they yeah. they've played them like five times when I've been at the rink. Um, the funniest was, uh, two weeks ago, I think I was playing a game at like seven or something. So it was right when the stars were playing the predators. So I couldn't watch the game, but our game ended, you know, kind of quickly cause we're not playing three hour games in men's league. And I looked at my phone and it was overtime, the Pred Stars. And I was like, oh, this is, I can watch the game. I'm in the arena. They turned all the TVs off. They didn't have any TVs on the game. Every other, every other game not only is on, but they play their freaking goal horn over the speakers in the arena. <laughs> but what I wanted to watch wasn't on the, on the TV. So I had to listen to the, I'm standing in the Predators arena listening to the Stars Predators shoot out in my phone. It was ridiculous. But Hockey Central, National yeah, Tennessee. For real. Um, all right, let's jump in now. Let's talk trade deadline. Um, so, like I said, it's going to be a super interesting year. Uh, we're we're still, I think it's April twelfth. I always forget twelfth or fifteenth, but I believe it's the twelfth. So we're still a good ways away. Um, we got a few weeks before that deadline, but like I said, we also have a lot of rules. So teams were are probably going to be looking right now. I mean, we saw a trade yesterday, the first trade that happened. Um, you know, nothing big, blockbuster names or anything, but. I think teams are going to look to do things a little earlier now so that if they do pull from a team or something, they can get that player in time. Um, or if they're a team like that's 
right on the line for a playoff spot, they might not be in that spot in three weeks when you get to the deadline. So if that could be the difference between a team that comes in fifth or a team that gets that final playoff spot, if they're able to secure a player right now. Um, so let's talk first, uh, kind of our, our big names. Um, you know, who, who is your number one? Let's say, let's start with this just general number one. If you're to pick a guy who is probably the most sought off person this year, who would you go with? I mean, just, you know, logistically, like I think someone like Taylor Hall, that the, the Sabres are hurting this year. I think he's like a good pickup for any team could be an addition. Like, you know, there was some talk that early on with someone like Eichel and Skinner, that Hall could be a beneficiary and be buying, you know, for the art Ross or something. And that's definitely not the case this year, but I just think that going after him, especially given that he is kind of like a short-term deal that he could be really worthwhile. And I, I think the Sabres would benefit from it too. Like they're not going to, I don't know, vie for, you know, a playoff spot, obviously. And I think that they're obviously now in a very, they were in a rebuilding phase, but even more so. And I think that giving someone away like Hall is a pretty good realistic option. So I, I think teams should start looking at that, but I think it'll be, you know, definitely the kind of um, not as much that, I don't know if the Canadians teams will be involved the North division as much in the trades. I, you know, we saw how that line a trade went and I think that was a very good move with Dubois and whatnot, but also in the Roslovich, but you know, you just saw how, like, it seemed like those guys came into Columbus just cold with the whole, like, quarantine and whatnot. And I just don't think teams are willing to risk that kind of going into playoffs. But it, I'm interested to see what will pan out. But I think Hall is going to be a guy that's going to get dealt, and he's my number one, I think. Yeah, Hall, Hall is an interesting one. And like you said, it's it's it seems like the Sabres are always rebuilding. Um, it's unreal <laughs> that they every time they have a decent year, they – follow up with a terrible year and this year was really something was really expected from them they weren't expected to be a contender by any means but i think they were expected to you know slide into a a top four spot possibly with the big names they have uh, but i think one thing you brought up that's that's big is with with skinner and oposo they have there and obviously eichel some big names that are not producing um eichel obviously is a highly skilled player he's not producing as highly as usual but nobody is it's buffalo they're losing every game horribly so but Skinner and Oposo, Skinner's kind of a huge deal, massive deal. Mm -hmm. And he's not being, they're not the guys they want them to be. And when you're a team that's rebuilding, you just, you can't get those big names, even if they are. Sometimes you get guys like, I mean, the fact that Eichel is even popping up in possible trade names is ridiculous because he is a superstar franchise player. But you look at teams, you just can't, if you're in a full rebuild mode, you can't keep playing, paying those players just because they're your best player. You're not winning the game anyway. You might as well get rid of your, your guys that are going to return prospects. Um, yeah. But my thing with Taylor Hall, and I think I've said this to you before past years, he almost feels like he brings a curse on him. He's made the playoffs in only two of his 11 seasons in the NHL. And it mm -hmm. seems like every year it's like you hear all oh, big name on the trade thing, Taylor Hall. I mean, he was, don't forget, he was a superstar. We thought he was a top tier player for, for a long time when he first came in um, and was playing super well in Edmonton for a little bit. But then you look at what he's done since, and he just seems to go to a new team every year. He signs with some team. They don't do well. He doesn't do well. Now, somehow, somehow he stays there because of his potential. He stays on the top of that list as a high potential trade. Um, I wouldn't pick him, honest, to be honest. Even if I'm a team that really needs it, I think there's better options out there, especially if you wait till the offseason, if you really want a, a you know a high level scorer. Um, but you're right, he is a rental. He could help a team score some goals in the playoffs. 
but it seems like he is a pure rental. You know, you got those players that seem to be that pure rental Eric Stahl kind of players where they're going to go in, help their team a little bit in the playoffs, and they're going to leave. And that's what everyone's already talking about. Where is he going to sign? And then what's going to happen after? Because he's probably not going to stay with the team that he signs with. Um, but it will be interesting. He is a good player. He, he can score a lot of goals, uh, especially if he has someone to help him out a little bit. You know, if he can get a real set um, setup guy and make some pa- some good passes to him, I think he can help. So I agree. He'll be a good. I think for him, a lot of possible landing spots too. Um, Toronto is going to be one that comes up on this list a lot. And it seems crazy yeah. because they're scoring a ton of goals. So you think, why do they need more scorers? But they just need more depth um, in their in their lineup where it's, it seems to be if you shut down the the Matthews and and um, Marner and and those guys that it kind of fades from there a little bit um, as far as consistency. Sometimes they they have great scoring, but Toronto is like I said earlier probably in an all in mode this year. Um, they they kind of feel like we is long we're not going to get pushed up against Tampa and those other teams. Um, or sorry, not Tampa, but like you know those. Yeah, Tampa. Sorry, I'm confusing the conferences now with all these different realignments. But it seems like they always found a way to play one of the better teams earlier on um, or play a team that they should beat and not play well enough. But this year, they know they're going to play the teams that they're beating right now, which is the North Division. They're going to play those teams in the first Mm -hmm. two rounds. So they have a real chance to play the Canadians and maybe the Jets or something who they're already beating pretty well and get themselves all the way to the Eastern Conference, whatever conference you want to call it, final and then have a chance to get to the the cup. So they're a possibility for any offensive guy out there, any defensive guy out there, and any goalies out there. They're they're looking for for options in all areas. Um, so he could be a possibility there. Boston can't score to save their lives, so they're on the list of any any high tier scorer. Um, and then you look at the Islanders, who, who just lost Anders Lee for the season, so they're clearly looking for another scorer. Um, so those would kind of be my my lists of of who he would go to, but. Yeah, um, I think the big name for me, I, Taylor Hall is on my list, you know, of, of top guys. Uh, Matthias Ekholm has been a name who's getting tossed around a lot. And yeah, the, I, I was surprised when I looked that he only makes 3.75 a year um, for someone who is pushing on the edge of becoming a true number one to number two goal, uh, goalie defender um, and has been a solid player for Nashville for so long. It really surprised me that they could pick him up for that little um, he's, he's got one more year in his contract and it's kind of a weird situation where, uh, he's very similar to Jake Muzzin, where Jake Muzzin went to Toronto and provided Toronto exactly what they needed, which was that shutdown defensive minded player. Um, and he's, that's worked out really well for them. And it, he's was making similar money. He seems like he would probably get the same return, uh, which was a first round pick. And then either one big prospect or two lower end prospects, um, so for a team like, again, Toronto or Winnipeg or even Boston, who really could use that big guy, um, especially Toronto just needs to have a shutdown defender who can he can help a little bit offensively and is provided to be that guy. I think that he's a big name that's getting thrown around um, around a lot of places. But I think Winnipeg, Boston, Toronto, and maybe Philly would be the ones that I would see. Uh, fits for him so that's that's kind of who um, as my top guy but other names on that list um you know we'll kind of dive in here two two other forwards is uh ricard raquel and nick felino um who yeah. are not guaranteed to move by any means they're not they're not like set to go anywhere else um it's a very good chance that felino signs back with 
with Columbus, if especially if they're in a playoff hunt uh, or think they could be next year. As we know, he's the captain, so it's really hard to get rid of a captain. Um, he's he's shown that he's a leader. He's shown he's a workhorse. That he can play all up and down the lineup. Um, kind of reminds me of like a Blake Coleman in Tampa, where he can play in any spot. He can make your team better, and um, and he can provide the leader. So, Felino's one that's that's an option where if Columbus is not in a playoff spot, they might want to look at, you know, he brings a 5.5 million um, contract with him. So you kind of look at, all right, we're not in a playoff spot. Columbus is not in a place where they're like, we're one year away from being contenders. Maybe it's time to, to, to let this go. We just got line a, who's a young star. So we can kind of build off him. Uh, we have Roslevic. We have these guys. We have these young players. Let's let's maybe you know move on from our captain, and they could get a lot for him. I think. I think that mm-hmm. um, they can get a lot of prospects for him. They can get some some picks for him. And again, the teams that I mentioned: Boston, Toronto, Boston, and New York. Um, those third third line to second provide some offense um, and be a perfect fit, just like Ricard Raquel um, in Anaheim, who was a superstar at one point. Um, he's kind of dropped off more to a second line role, but I think he has the potential. I've seen him score some, some goals and I've seen him when Anaheim's playing well, uh, which is rare these days, but when they are playing well, he can play really well. And I think he could be a good ad. Uh, he's in the final year of his deal or sorry. He's in, uh, I think he has two years left on his deal. He's only a 3.8 million sa- uh, salary. So he could, he's affordable. He's an affordable option for teams. Again, in New York Islanders, someone who needs someone to put the buck in the net. Um, and I think that he, he could be a good one. So those are the, the big forwards. Uh, and, um, and then I think this is kind of a wild card where there's some teams that need goalies and the mind every year, yeah. because Frederick Anderson is a great goalie, but if you don't have someone to help, he's going to get lit up. And when he's not playing well, they've gone to, multiple different backups who have not provided consistently mm-hmm. Hutchinson is their backup right now. Um, I know they've had a rookie jump in a little bit and they need somebody to help them out. If they're going to go all in, you saw what it's like to have to, you know, to make a run and have to fall on a backup the stars had to do it the entire playoff. Sometimes you have to do it for two games. You know, Marc-Andre Fleury has to come in and play well, or Leonard has to come in and play well. And we've seen it so many times where some, guy comes in like a like our auntie ranta who's you know traditionally a backup guy and comes in steals a stanley cup final for the team or um, wins them a game seven so you need to have that guy and so auntie ranta is one that has been another name that i feel like has been in the trade deadline list every year he's always seems to be that goalie who seen who wants to be a rental um it was thought that he might beat out darcy kemper kemper and in arizona and maybe be the guy there that has not happened um, he's only played, I think he's only played eight games or nine games and Kemper's played almost 20. So it's clear they're, they're going forward with Kemper in Arizona and, uh, Auntie Rata is someone who you can get a good return for, um, Arizona probably still building their team as well. So it'll be interesting to see if he goes, um, but another name that I want to bring up, that's kind of a wild card is, uh, Anton Hudobin from Dallas. Mm-hmm. And we all know that he's not the guy in Dallas. He's, he's a backup goalie. He's been his whole career backup goalie. Um, they re-signed him to a three-year deal last year after the final, because they knew that Bishop, not only was Bishop going to, you know, get hurt every year, like he does, but he was going to be out for a while with the injury he has now. 
they knew how important it was to sign him. He's, he hasn't had the best year, although he's second in shutouts with three, um, but he's had a little bit up and down. But the talk is that, uh, you know, they were going to, they signed him for three years because they thought him and Bishop would be the guys. And then all of a sudden, Ottinger comes in this year as their and basically takes over that starting job um, and is playing incredibly. And now all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, maybe Ottinger's ready to be the backup to Bishop, um, you know, as soon as next year. And so it, it's put a wrench in, in their plans and it'd be interesting to see what they do. But the real, you know, strange part of the situation is that Bishop doesn't come back until probably right about the deadline. So if it's possible, the stars would, would probably like to move to Hudobin um, because they're, he's a big target for Seattle in the upcoming draft. But then you also look at it as well. If we keep Hudobin, maybe they take him and we don't lose Pavelski or Dickinson in the expansion draft, you know? So uh, it's kind of the question of, do we want to return for it or do we want to not lose our guys? Um, but the big thing, like I said, is if, if Bishop's not back by the deadline, you can't get rid of Hudobin. Um, and so it might be a little early to do that, but you know, what are your thoughts on, on goalies? Who, who do you think really needs a goalie? You know, we mentioned Toronto, but who are some teams that really needs a goalie? And do you think that they're going to make that move? Um, and is there someone else that you think might be the goalie to go and, and help a team? Yeah, no, I, I think that I was going to say the avalanche, but they, they went and addressed that, you know, with the whole Frank Harris and Grubauer uh, kind of situation and Frank Harris being injured or long, long-term IR. Um, and obviously they're just not getting it done with their backup, even though they can outscore teams eight to four, <laughs> they, they, uh, they went and picked up Johansson, which I think was a really good move. And I think there might be other guys, you know, a little bit better on the market. Um, you know, even someone like Samsonov for the, for the, um, the capitals is someone that like a high end name that could be dealt. But I, I think, um, most teams that have, are, you know, vying for contenders have pretty solid goaltending. You know, that you look at the lightning, obviously, and they're set with Vasilevsky, the Panthers yeah, are getting 11 wins in a row for Vasilevsky. Let's just, yeah. Absurd. What a, <laughs> what a unit. Yeah. He's playing so well. Um, and I, I think the most of the teams like, you know, uh, the Bruins are getting what they need out of, um, Rask. And, and I just think that, you know, maybe the flyers have Carter Hart and, I just think that a lot of teams have kind of the goaltending they need, at least at the higher end. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of, you know, what fringe teams do uh, to deal maybe some backup goalies. Uh, you know, like you mentioned in the Coyote situation, Ranta, I think is someone that could definitely be dealt. But I, I think, and then the, you know, maybe he could go somewhere like the Leafs that could certainly use like a little more help there. Um, um, but yeah, I, I'm really interested to see what will happen. And especially with the whole kind of East um, or the North, you know, Canadian border situation and getting someone, but I think a goalie is somebody that would be a really good kind of international trade because you don't need them right away, hopefully, you know, um, but it may be, you know, maybe the Sabres deal Olmark, uh, he's injured, I guess, or, you know, someone like a Carter Hutton, uh, but I'll be interested to see kind of what, what happens, I think, but yeah, the goalies are definitely the hot commodity come playoff time. Yeah, what do you think happens? Um, so I wanted to bring up Vegas. So we know that Vegas has been, they have two of the best goalies, but they also have one of the hardest scenarios where both of those goalies want to be starters. We got Marc-Andre Fleury, who's been a Stanley Cup winner and a starting goalie, who everyone kind of was thinking, all right, he's going to be the starter and Robert Leonard will get traded. But then when Leonard comes in, he takes over and he was the guy for the season and the playoffs. 
And then, so this season, now everyone's like, all right, well, let's flip it. Now, Leonard's going to be the guy. Fleury's going to want to get a trade because he's not going to want to be the full-time backup in Vegas. And now Fleury's the guy, and Leonard's struggling. So they have to deal one of those guys. You have to. Both of them are are two high-level goalies. Um, you could get a lot for them, I think, and think that your goal more than it's going to help having two guys that that want to both be playing starting roles. And so I think that one, oh, and maybe it's the trade deadline, or maybe they wait. But um, you know, it'd be interesting. Who would you go with? You know, if you're in that situation where you have kind of an older, as a younger guy, both shown what they've shown, who would you stick with, and you know, how would you approach that? Yeah, I don't think Leonard struggles as much. I think he's just been injured a lot of the season and kind of out and dealing with injuries. And it, so honestly, I, I think I would stick with him. I think now that he's healthy, he came back, he had a good game. Uh, he's playing playing pretty well. I, I think that Flurry could be kind of someone that they might tr- end up trading. And he, and Flurry is a really known commodity. He just seems like a real happy, good go, go, like guy that could fit anywhere. And he has he's won Stanley Cups too. You know, he knows what he's doing. And I think Flurry would be a great kind of voice in a locker room somewhere. Um, and Leonard, I think that they're kind of, you know, it makes more sense maybe to pick for kind of longer term, but I, yeah, I agree. I think that's, those are two guys that they have two starting goalies. And so that I think they'll end up going somewhere, you know, if not this year for trade deadline, definitely, you know, off season or next year or something. He said Leonard, but he also has an eight, nine has played um and he's given up almost three goals a game so it's he's not playing well when he's coming in for the most part but it could be injuries something like that um i think i didn't see the story so i'm not going to touch on it but you know leonard's been known to speak out um he's shown been kind of the advocate for you know the mental health issues that and he's spoken out about them for uh to deal and i think apparently he spoke out uh, people were trying to ask him about his injury and he got really upset about having to kind of defend himself for being injured. So like I said, I'm not going to speak too much. I didn't read it too much into it. I just thought of that as you said it. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they keep both for this playoff run um, and when they decide to, to move on from which one they pick. It's almost like a, a coin flip in where, you know, you kind of go with yeah. your gut and think, all right, is Fleury going to be the guy for 45 years or is Leonard our future? Um, and go. I think that's those are the top guys right now um, for the trade deadline. Again, we're going to do this each week and just dive in a little bit to it because I think every week where somebody gets hurt or a team that was a playoff team not and they're becoming sellers, um, interesting uh, where those guys. So I want to talk one more. To jump into kind of in. Lee for the season uh, torn ACL, which was a absolute killer. We, we spoke earlier on a podcast about the the Islanders being, you know, they were kind of an in between. They were in the Eastern Conference Final last year. They almost beat Tampa. They yeah. brought Tampa all to seven games. So we thought, all right, they might have a really good year. And then they didn't for a while. They were not playing well for a while in the beginning of the season. Now all of a sudden they're on a run. I think they were leading their division. For a little bit, their teams, they're scoring goals, and they're obviously really good at defending like they always are in the top five of goals again. But then they lose not only their captain, but their leading scorer and their their guy, you know, their their big name player. He's a big dude, there's a lot of goals, he's the he's the leader. So they have to. They are in they are too good of a team. They've come off a playoff run, so they're 
where the playoffs game adversity and they need to replace that scoring because they're going to put anyway. Um, they can't lose their their leading guy to stars with you know you can't you can't win without Tyler Sagan or, or you know it just doesn't work that way. So um, there's a bunch of names that come to mind for the Islanders, but what do you think they have to? You know, you first of all, do you think they have to replace him? Uh, and then can they make a run without him, whether it means replacing him or going on without, you know, a high name player? Yeah, I just think, I mean, first and foremost, I, I think they'll be able to make a run without him. I'm obviously they'll be, he'll be sorely missed, but I, you know, I think the Islanders aren't the lightning, but they, the lightning are showing how well they can do without Kucherov. And I think given that the Islanders are kind of a defense first, very system based team that they, I think someone will fill that gap. And I, I think they, the sum of all parts is greater than, you know, each individual. So the Islanders are kind of that kind of situation. I think, you know, an ACL is a year injury and I think that they would hurt and they would do themselves wrong not to replace him. Um, and so I think that, you know, whether it's off season, they're picking up somebody, uh, but yeah, I think maybe now that this is kind of new, it's going to be really interesting to see who's coming there. You know, guys like Brock Nelson are going to need to step up. Um, who's kind of, you know, right next to Anders Lee as far as goal production. And then, you know, they obviously got guys like Barzell that are just such amazing playmakers that I think will kind of step up to the occasion as well. So I think that they, yes, they can make a run. Um, they're going to need to get someone to help out eventually, but I, I think it's going to hurt them a little more too. I, I don't think they're going to be that Eastern conference finals team. Like we saw last year, but you know, they could always surprise you. You know, I, so I'm, I'm excited to see what'll happen out of that. Who would you pick for them if they were to replace him? Cause I know they've, their, their GM spoke outspoken about, we need a guy. Um, you know, they, they said that their first round pick is probably up for grabs because they think they really need to, to add a scorer. Um, and nobody's off the table is kind of the way they've, they've been approaching it. So who would you go with? To pick you know a guy to replace him yeah i think i think a guy like paul mary maybe um kind of like a top you know two-line winger or someone like philpola who's kind of a known entity there and, and are both are very like dealable i think especially you know the, the red wings would be happy to get rid of a philpola um and then yeah or, i'm sorry he's not on the red wings um but i think that I think either a football or a Paul Mary kind of winger situation would be something that they'd pick up, but I don't know if we'll see definitely not Taylor Hall, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah. it'd be funny to see if they dive in on one of those bigger names of a hall yeah. or, or Raquel or maybe even, yeah. do even to be Bobby Ryan or yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a loss. You hate to see players go down with those injuries. Um, so wishing Anders lead the best. Uh, I think we just saw another ACL injury the other night for another player that's out for the season. So hate to see that stuff. And especially there's so many injuries are happening and so much is going on. Um, you just hope that teams are able to stay healthy enough to, to get into the playoffs and, you know, play, play a game with a full roster and not put out nine rookies on, on their, their forward lines. Um, but so yeah, final topic here, before we jump in, into the, into the lightning round, um, yeah, I was talking from pure experience there. Um, <laughs> when when your team is playing with pieces, the Anaheim Ducks are probably not injury wise. But yeah, so let's talk. Uh, what I want to do for the next few weeks here is go through each division um, and say, you know, kind of look at the top, the top five to six teams who have a shot at the playoffs, um, what they need to, have, and then let's predict our our four that are going to be in. Um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be easy to. See said so many times 
what happens in the in the final few weeks here because a lot of divisions where they seem to be one team dominating all the way and then the next thing you know the florida panthers are leading the central so um we're going to start with the central and and kind of dive into what those teams need to happen in order for them to both make the playoffs and to be successful in the playoffs um so let's let's start first with teams that barely need anything tampa um amazing to see or amazing to remember that tampa is doing all this without kucherov um and he is projected to maybe be ready when the playoffs start so the fact that tampa might get 10 times more dangerous when they get into the playoffs is just absolutely terrifying but as far as what they need to get in and make a run i don't think they need, i think if they're going to win another cup they probably do um i don't know if they have goals throughout a whole against some defensive-minded teams without their top scorer but uh, though putting up and winning all these games and their goal when they don't play well offensively so um i don't think it's much but uh it would help to have kucherov to make a run um what about florida what do you think for florida I think just get, keeping Porovsky as as well as he's playing, uh, getting the defending that they are at a Yandel, and then getting Barkov some more goals. You know, I, I think that their their players need to play, and and so far they are. But I just don't I don't think they're ready to beat a Tampa Bay in a playoff series. You know, uh, but I do think that it's going to be kind of a sunshine belt showdown between those two teams in that division. I, I don't see anyone climbing and clawing their way into those top two spots. You know, Carolina, Dallas, Chicago, or Columbus. Um, definitely not the latter eight, seven, eight in there, but, uh, I just, I find it hard to believe there's going to be another one or two. Yeah. Uh, what about Florida? So Florida isn't one that could use some defense. They've, they've kind of been outspoken about that. What about if Ekholm went to Florida? Ooh. I mean, I mean, that could be what pushes that team. Mm-hmm. Ekholm could drive it. That'd be, that'd be quite a good pickup for them, huh? Yeah, so I don't know what Long they would need. Too. I don't know how their prospects look as far as who they'd have to, you know, give up in in return. But for what he yeah. costs and what he died, I just can't imagine the Ekblad along with Ekholm. First of all, for the for the play by play announcer, I feel bad if they're a pair Ekholm over to Ekblad. <laughs> um, but the, the Yandel and their defensive core would go from honestly like a two good names to wow they have a really good defense and so that could be something huge for them but yeah i agree i don't think they need a whole lot um, i know let's talk carolina um they're playing well again these top three teams that we just mentioned are playing leagues above the rest of the division um but the hurricanes could definitely use some help. they've had injuries to to Mrazic and trocek and other players that um that have really hurt them so they could use some health uh and definitely could use a little bit of scoring play um not great especially consistency wise if we're speaking on consistency the players they have is scoring more power play goals um and i think they really need their power up or depth scoring some more guys to to provide and it'll help to have trocek or you know those those guys healthy but um they could definitely use some depth um but they're one of the one of the teams that could use a little bit of luck health wise as well just like everybody but specifically they're some injuries and some weird ones. Like I think Mrazic like needed bills in his thumb for some weird, bizarre injury that he had in a collision. Like there's, there's just been some strange things that have, so they could use some consistency there. Um, but let's talk now we have Chicago, 
what does Chicago need? They're they're currently or it's actually Columbus. Let's go Columbus first because they're holding down the fourth spot right now uh, in the division. Them and Chicago are tied, but Columbus holds down that spot. So what does Columbus need to to get in, and can they make a run with it? Columbus needs line A to be the line A of old, just burying pucks from everywhere on the friggin' ice. And then, I mean, they just need better goaltending consistently out of Corpus Allo and Merge Lickens. Like those guys are hot and they're cold and then they're switching. And I think that that situation is just unstable there. And then if they can get some defending, I, you know, like Tortorella is just a guy that'll be in their ear about that. And I think that, you know, maybe they're going to peak soon. But I, I just think that like you got to get line A going and and we'll see what happens with Felino. You may, maybe they'll pick up someone that'll kind of shake it up. But losing a captain, I don't know going to the playoffs if that's good or bad. But I'll be interested to see. Um, but I just can't see them shaking the the boat up or rocking the boat enough to get into those one two three spots. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think they don't they don't create a lot of offense from what I what I've seen watching them play. Um, they don't score a lot of goals and they, they just don't look super creative offensively. You watch them play against a team like Florida who is just cycling and flowing and their defense is interchanging with their forwards and their, um, they look like a cohesive unit where Columbus kind of looks like, all right, line a has the puck. If he doesn't guys and score, he's probably going to turn it over. Um, mm-hmm. so if they can get a little consistency, maybe add something to them. Uh, again, it'll be a real big decision for their, their front office to either buy or sell at this deadline. Um, but they have Roslevic and uh, to build off of, so, you know, they might have some potential in the future, but it'll be tough for them. I agree that they're not scoring enough goals right now. Um, and they don't have that, you know, solid, solid goaltending. They're not bad at any, should be, should be one of the best one, one, two duos, but it just hasn't been that way. Um, and Merz Lincoln's might be even a target at the day to, to go somewhere else. Um, Chicago's been in that four spot for a while. They're a surprising team this year. They were not expected to do anything, and then they lost Taves for the whole season, and now they're still in a playoff spot, or were until yesterday. Uh, they need to to make a run, or to make it. They need a, they need a clone Patrick Kane who's having <laughs> a hearts, heart trophy season. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I just don't, I don't think they're in They're They're really showing a lot of potential. You know, the big cat, Alex Dabrinkat and Kubalik are just having amazing seasons as is Pius Suter, who's kind of this rookie, you know, come out of nowhere. Um, I think that they're not going to make it, but I, I just am impressed by how much they've been able to come and how far they've been able to come without, uh, you know, their anchor and Jonathan Taze, but it's, it just shows how good of a player Patty Kane is. Yeah, I think they need some depth. Agree. Same thing with Florida, where um, when the Hawks are winning, Kane is putting up three points a night, and Debrink is scoring. Uh, Debrusque is scoring. Those guys, those big guys. Or like when they play the Lightning, Subban has to get 45 saves to win. Uh, I think they were getting all that, and we t- we talked about this a couple weeks. Kind of like it felt like it was running out. It almost felt like they were that team where you're like, man, how are they doing this? And then all of a sudden they're, I mean, right now they're, I think they're one, six and one. So they're free falling right now, um, which has brought the teams like Dallas and Columbus into the race a little bit more. Um, even though those teams aren't far from playing good hockey, they're getting enough points to stay close enough. And Chicago is burying their own or uh, digging their own grave. So, um, Final team now, let's talk Dallas. What do you think, you know, as, as I said there, I think right now there are five points behind um, or six points behind Chicago and Columbus with but with five games in hand, which is 
bizarre to think with 16, uh, but they're still right there. And arguably they're in that playoff spot with five games and points they might be able to get. And they're only six points out. So what do the stars need to make it uh, at the end here? Stars just need to stay healthy and get healthy. They, you know, they had, I think seven to nine rookies playing in the last two games against the Red Wings. And they're, they're, you know, at least out shooting teams. We, like we talked about, but they're just not converting and getting scoring. And I mean, Pavelski obviously is having the year of his life, captain, captain America. Um, but I just, I hope that Ben can, you know, get up there, you know, when, when Jason Robertson's le- leading or beating Jamie Ben in points, I think you raise your eyebrow a little bit, like what's going on with this team. Um, but I think getting someone like Sagan back should hopefully boost them a little bit. And I think that if they just stay healthy, that they could really buy for that fourth spot, but I don't know. We'll see. They definitely, they just can't go through another kind of, they can't be another trough like they were earlier this season in the, in the, uh, they're having a tough time. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, like you mentioned uh, injuries too. Um, as of last night, Radulov list of names who are going to be in and out, um, which again I don't know, uh, the situation. But it, you know what? It kind of feels to me it feels like the Stars feel like they're in the playoffs right now, and their players, Hints and Radulov, decided we think we have a good enough team, and if we get surgery right now for whatever we have going on, we're not going to make it, and we think that, um, and we're not going to hurt it more. So. Um, that's going to be super frustrating for stars fans and for the team in general, because you go from one game where you have Radulov everyone in. And then the next game last night, they're missing Radulov hints did play. Um, and he scored and he scores it. He might have had an assist. I think it hit off Delandria, but he scores every game he plays in. He's got a point streak going for almost all the games he's been in this season, which is basically every other game. But then you go into a game from, from that to no Radulov, no Cogliano, no Como from random injuries or sickness. And I know that other teams are dealing with it too, but it just feels like it's every night for Dallas that someone else is out. Um, and so they definitely need luck They're on the top of the list that it needs some luck. They not only need, you know, hints and injury, a little less nagging. So they play, you know, three out of four instead of one out of two, but they also need Sagan to come in and be Sagan right away. Uh, because he's not going to have time to, they're going to probably be in a battle like they are right now. And they're going to have to win games right away to get into that playoff spot. So um, another thing they are guys that should be scoring. You mentioned Ben, Ben and Gurionov. Ben has one goal in the last nine or something like that. Gurionov has one goal in the last 17. Um, and he's just not the same player. And what he led the stars through the playoffs, basically he was there. He was their superstar scorer when Sagan went down to injury and wasn't, you know, scoring. He, um, and they're getting help. Luckily, Jason Robertson's having a bizarrely great season and looks like a future star for that team. Um, but they're going to need some help, and it'll be interesting. Another team that's interesting that maybe they can bring someone in. They're super tight on the salary cap, especially with Jack with his massive contract, but maybe they could slide in a third-line guy who can put it in the puck a little bit, or at least that when Hintz has to step out, he can be on center because you go that's really good at center to now Sagan and Hintz are both weak down the middle. And that's a really, really tough position to be weak at to try to make the playoffs and win in the playoffs. Um, we'll see what happens there. And then the goaltending situation, obviously we know about, but so if you're to pick, you know, we talk about what team needs to make it, um, you know, who gets what they need and who makes it as that top four. 
yeah, I got, you know, Tampa, Florida top two. And then I, I think I'm going to get put a Carolina and then Dallas in there. Um, I, I'm just going to go, you know, with a little bit of faith in the stars over the blue jackets and Hawks. I think they'll edge them out, but you know, that's call me. Maybe I just want to make you happy, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like if the team that has the, the ability to do it, it's Dallas of those three of those mentioned, you know, obviously Nashville and Detroit are, are even though Nashville out points wise, I feel like they're just on a different level than these teams. Um, and Dallas, I feel has the potential to do it. Um, but I would pick if I was, if Dallas did not find a way to figure it out and come back, I'd pick Chicago to make it over Columbus for sure. But yeah, it'll be interesting because all the teams are losing right now for the most part of those teams. So nobody's so Warren, why don't you take it away? All right. Going right to it here. Sammy, Don Cherry, Barry Melrose. Oh, God, Don Cherry. Wow. Okay. It's the suits, though. Okay. What about Ed Belfour and Marty Turco? Uh, Belfour, Eddie the Eagle. Even just the coolest in the history of the NHL. <laughs> All right. Best Stars jersey, worst of the worst. Mooderous or the reverse retro? <laughs> Honestly, I think that the retro is better than I thought it was. I, I really hated it going into the year, but when they wore it, it looked a lot better. So I think that the Mooderous is by far worse than that. All right. Where are you more stressed out? Playoffs five on five or OT three on three? <laughs> OT three on three, 100%. Horrifying <laughs> situation, man. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Uh, rule change. What should we get in the NHL? The goalie cheater bar is out or no icing on the penalty kill? I, I would like to see no icing kill. That would be fun to, I don't know, Dick, but it, we're trying to score more goals in this league. So why not put things in that make it? You're, you're here first, folks. The penalty killer said it himself. All right. Gordy Howe or Marisa Rocket Richard? Uh, Gordy. Gordy. <laughs> we're tapping our elbows to that one thank god my mom would have killed you if you said no otherwise what about Gretzky or Lemieux uh, yeah gotta you gotta alright Sam you're in men's league how are you gonna score tips or rebounds tips I can't put a puck past the net <laughs> right now so I think tips how to do it tipping screens and rebounds but alright what about in, you're in the NHL game bigger momentum builder big save or big hit uh save yeah there you go the goalie in you love the goal um, i'm in the east i'm in the east coast what am i gonna what do i want what do you what do you recommend bagel or a deli sandwich oh man bagel especially three wuss over here that can't eat them anymore you gotta go bagel <laughs> big old fat bagel cream cheese or best you can get they don't make them gluten-free in new jersey what all right sam what, what about speaking of new jersey what's it called tailored ham or pork roll oh taylor ham I don't understand that. Okay. I've never heard pork roll and I lived in New Jersey for 10 years. So I don't know where the heck that, but that's what I've heard it called. All right. Last one. Most important to my heart. Scott Stevens hit on Paul Korea. Was it clean or not? <laughs> no, not a little bit, especially if you're looking <laughs> at it now. It was, I don't think it was clean back then, but nowadays it's definitely not clean. 99% of them <laughs> clean. Paul Korea. Thank you very much. You can stay. I can stay. I can Thanks, guys, for checking this out uh, this week. This is episode eight. Got Sammy Podcast. We'll see you.
next week.